you're welcome to Mountain Springs Church Podcast, a podcast that brings you life-giving teachings and sermons from our church leadership. We hope that as you listen, you will be blessed and edified in your walk with Jesus Christ. And now, stay tuned as we bring you the teaching for today. Hello, my name is Fidelis Sodobo. I want to welcome you to this edition of Mountain Springs Church Podcast. I'll be doing a teaching on Christmas. Yep, I mean that very well. Now we are in that season where the whole world somehow take a pause and do this lavish celebration of Christmas. Some people call it the Yuletide season. Some say the some say the holiday season, and whatever name it is called, we know it today as Christmas. I know there are different sources out there who probably do not believe in this celebration of Christmas. A lot of Christians don't seem to accept or believe in this celebration of Christmas, and, and that's okay. I'm not here to you know, bring my own theology on what Christmas is all about, but I will take us back to the first time the celebration of Christmas was recorded in history. It was in, in Rome in about 339 AD. That's about the fourth century. That's the earliest record they have of Christmas celebration. And we all know that if um, one of the glories of Christianity was during the time of the Christendom age, when Christianity was legalized in Rome. And from that time on, Christians began to delve into the pagan um, history or pagan events and trying to make them Christian events. And that's where all this whole debate or confusion about Christmas actually came into being because it was once a celebration that wasn't um, a Christian idea. But the Christians took that idea and weave the event of the Bible into it, and then it became a thing that Christians celebrate. And of course, if you if you want to um, bring out a statistics today, more more people go to church during Christmas and Easter than they do throughout the year. So I think that at least there's some success there in just reminding ourselves of what happened in the Bible and how that affects us today. So let me quickly just delve into what I have today about the Christmas story. You know, it, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. God began to speak words. But the words he spoke to the serpent, whom today we refer to as the devil, was this. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, or between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise the head, so that he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And I think that was like the beginning of this whole history of God's redemption, you know, on humanity, God redeeming humanity back to the place of glory. It started with this declaration here that he will put an enmity between the seed of the woman and your seed. Now, why I'm bringing this out is really I, I want to, you know, cut out that word, the seed of the woman 
or this phrase is seed of the woman. Now, who do you think that was referring to in the Bible? The seed of the woman. Women don't have seed. You know, it is the male man that has seed. So God must have been referring to something just beyond the woman. And I think this, is, this was where the virgin birth was declared. Because the woman is going to conceive a seed and she will give birth to a son. Now, before we get there, it is something that I, I believe that God worked out from the very onset that it's going to come a time when there's going to be a virgin birth. And that actually happened. But before we got there, look at what um, the prophet Isaiah said. The Bible says that when God called Isaiah, he says, Go to the king of Judah and prophesy unto him. At that time, the king of Judah was actually living in fear because there was an impending invasion of the kingdom of Judah from Assyria and from neighboring cities. Now, I'm going to go and speak to the king, Isaiah said. And when he got there, first thing he said was this, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now these was the words of Isaiah to the king of Judah at that time because he was afraid of the impending invasion that is coming on the kingdom of Judah. But this was the word of the Lord to the king of Judah at that point in time. He says, look, do not be afraid. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now this was about 700 years before Christ came on the scene. Now Isaiah lived, you know, about that space of time between himself and Jesus Christ. But this was a, this was a word that was prophesied, that a virgin shall conceive and, you know, bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that word Emmanuel means God with us. Now, how does that connect with what was happening at that time in Judea, where they were afraid of being invaded by their enemies? How, how did that, you know, come across to him? That a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Now, if you, you know, um, be patient with me, we're going to get to that point in this broadcast. Now, let me take us to Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Now, at, at this point in time, things began to unfold. The prophecies that have been spoken of Jesus or the Messiah that's going to come, you know, has begun to unfold. And the thing I notice here is that there is always timing with God. And when God gave Isaiah that word, it was hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. But, and that's because God does not calculate time the way we humans calculate time. In fact, the Bible actually um, defined time in two different ways. There are two Greek words for time you know, used in the Bible. There's the word chronos, and I think that's the... Um, meaning of time that we humans are used to because that's where the world we use today as clock derive its meaning from. The 
the, the, the way the Greek actually um, defined the clock, it's chronometer. That's how they define the clock. It tells us the days of the week, you know, and then week into months and months into years. And that's a different way God calculates time. God calculates time in a whole different perspective. Now, there is a word for time in the Bible, which means kairos. Now, the word kairos is different from the way the clock actually, you know, tells us about events that's happening in the world. Kairos goes way beyond man's way of calculating time. It is, it is God's way of reaching out to humanity at a certain point in time when he has proposed certain things will happen in the life of that man. We call it divine appointment. It is a time appointed unto a person when the purpose and the intent of God will be fulfilled in his life. It is a divine appointment that we're talking about. There's also a word used you know, for time, which is the word aeon. It speaks of time in terms of generations and, and, and dispensations. But the point we're actually you know, focusing here is the Kairos in this moment. When it came at the time appointed for Jesus to you know, come to the earth, something happened. Now in Luke 1 verse 35, I mean, verse 35 the Bible says, And the angel answered, speaking to Mary right now, and says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, this was when the angel came to Mary and spoke those words to her. Now, little did she know that someone, a prophet, about 700 plus years ago, prophesied this specific moment of time about the birth of Jesus. Now let me, let me draw our attention to a particular verse of scripture where we talked about, I mean the Bible talked about how the angels and the shepherds responded when this news you know reached them. Now Luke chapter 2, I will read from verse, it's a very long read so I probably may not read the whole verses but I'm just going to focus on a verse that's kind of like, you know, give us a context of what we are talking about today. Now I'm going to start from verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds residing in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Just then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And for all the people, today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. Now remember, we talked about this sign in Isaiah. And it says, when Isaiah prophesied to the king of Judah, it says, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name. I mean, and he shall, he shall, I mean, he shall bear his name. He shall, um, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, here in Luke 
chapter 2 verse 11 it says today in the city of david a savior has been born unto you he is christ the lord and he will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and in verse 13 it says suddenly they appeared with the angels a great multitude of the hosts of heaven praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests i'm going to read that again verse 14 it says glory to god in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests now what's bringing my attention here to this verse is that word peace or rather the phrase peace to men peace to humanity peace to the entire world the human race now how does that actually connect that the only thing that the angels spoke or told to the shepherds were these words they were praising god in fact let me back up to verse 13 it says and there suddenly appeared with the angel a great multitude of heavenly hosts. There is a heavenly being out there who witnessed or rather saw what has happened on the earth. That the Messiah has been born. The Savior has been born. They recognized that reality. And they were praising God because they know very well that something has come to the earth. And they actually told the shepherds world has come to earth he says peace has come to humanity and the favor of god has come to humanity now where is this going i believe that the birth of jesus announced something in this verse that god's peace has finally come to the earth now before this time if we back up again to genesis God said, look, I will put enmity between the woman's seed and your seed. So there has been this gaping void since the time of Adam to the time of, you know, Jesus. A lot of things happening in the world. In fact, Paul actually described it. He says that death reigned towards all humanity. There was this, you know, void between God and humanity. There was no peace there was no peace in fact um, humanity lost his connection with god at that point in time when the when adam and eve fell in the garden of eden when they actually broke god's commandments at that point in time but here it's interesting to actually note that at the birth of jesus the angels talked about peace toward men or toward humanity and favor toward humanity so God's intention is to bring peace on the earth. And the birth of Jesus was something that announced it. Now, in verse 15, it says that when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord himself has made known to us. It's interesting. Christmas, when people talk about Christmas, all that comes to mind is just the fanfare 
the big celebrations of, you know, decoration of Christmas trees and lights and spending all the monies and trying to buy gifts and, you know, exchanging food and all that stuff. That's okay. But it's way more than that. It's beyond just, you know, doing all kinds of uh, celebration. There's something here that's happening. At this time, we should get back to a point where we should, you know, remind ourselves that this was a time God announced his peace on the earth. Peace coming to the earth. So God's intention for humanity was to bring peace on the earth. And that child that was born, Jesus himself, was the beginning of that. Now in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you know, Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see that word again in Isaiah? Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of the increase of his government and peace here will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. This was exactly the promise given to the king of Judah when he says that, look, all you need to do is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now let's just continue here again and see exactly what's what is transpiring all here. I, I mean, I'm just saying something that is way beyond just the letters of the Bible. This is revelation, you know, from God. That God actually intends for his peace to reign on the earth. And this whole story about the birth of Jesus, which a lot of people seems or would rather be happy to kind of just put in the back, you know, in the back burner and just keep it there because the apostles in the early days did not celebrate Christmas. Of course, there's no record that the apostles celebrated Christmas. But there's one thing that they mentioned, you know, it is always in the exegesis. They also always talk about how this whole thing about peace came towards men. And I believe that if you talk about peace, one thing you're talking about is the birth of Jesus that announced that moment of God's peace and favor on the earth. It should never be forgotten. And Isaiah did actually mention the whole aspect of Jesus' life. He says, for unto us a son is born. And then he says, unto, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. He gave a clear context here that, look, if you want to negate the birth of Jesus, we may as well negate the death of Jesus. But that's not the case here. Because without a birth, there will be no death. So the son that was given on the cross had to be born so that he can live on this earth and satisfy the claims of justice right there on the cross. So I'm connecting these two right here, that the birth of Jesus is so that Jesus Christ will be given on the cross. So uh, redemption actually began right here at the birth of Jesus. And that's why I believe the word peace was used whenever it talks about a child is born. Now, Isaiah was prophesying this about 700 years before the time of Christ. 
and he was talking about the prince of peace his government his kingdom will be there will be no end to it now again as i actually talked about something you know when he says that look the people who live in darkness have seen great lights now this was the same verse of scripture or in the same chapter as i was talking about the people who lived in that point in time now referring to the time of jesus they were groping in darkness the people who are living in a time where everything was dark there was no there was no voice of god at that point in time there was this 400 of silent years of god speaking to the entire human race nothing was said about christ i mean about, about god at that point in time as i was referring to that time when the people who lived at that time walk in the darkness they didn't hear anything about god neither did they see anything about god that when jesus came on the scene it announces god's reign on the earth and that reign was a reign of peace on the earth now i'm talking about peace today because i'm talking about christmas now in this time of the year you know people always talk about christmas as wow it's a time to celebrate and be happy and be merry and, and all that i understand that and that's okay but not to the extreme but there's one word here that i don't want us to miss it's the word peace that christmas is all about this now the reason i'm talking about this is we, you, you can hear what is happening today in the world you can you know see in the news what's happening today in the world you know let me just begin with the statistics here from you know from the canadian perspective that in every given year it is said that one in five Canadians experience mental health or mental illness. And by the time a Canadian reaches the age of 40, one in two Canadians have had a mental illness. And that's the statistics today. Now, in fact, this will even shock you. It says about 4,000 Canadians per year die by suicide an average of almost 11 suicide a day so this thing affects people you know right in this day and age mental health is something that is devastating the lives of people especially our young people you know especially our young people because there is this gross absence of peace on the inside People's lives have been agitated with all kinds of things happening in the world today. Disappointments, hope deferred, people not, you know, seeing their dreams come to reality, people tired of just living in abject poverty, and I mean, I can name it, on and on it goes. Things are happening, and the state or the rate at which mental health is consuming or devastating our population is alarming. Now, why is that? Peace is something we shouldn't toil about. It, it was what God actually gave to humanity. But unfortunately, what we are experiencing today is that peace no longer exists in the minds of people, in the homes where people live, in the cities, even in the world today. There's war and rumor of rumors of war. Things just happening everywhere in the world. 
absence of peace. There is, you know, the government came up with this idea of peacekeeping force and all that stuff. Even in spite of that, there's war happening today in the world. And more than that, the most dangerous part of it is that that war is happening on the inside of people. And that's why there is this, you know, surge of mental breakdown in the lives of people today. People taking their lives because they cannot bear it anymore. But if I will take your, your mind back to what God did when Christ came on the scene, is to bring peace on the earth so that you and I can enjoy the peace of God here on the earth. Now, let me come, come with these two perspectives. There is a peace of God in us and there is a peace with God with us. Now, the peace of God, I would say, is what Jesus Christ you know, came to the world to bring. But that is not yet fulfilled. But the peace with God is something that has been fulfilled already on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, you know, peace with God was accomplished. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says, Now being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And we know that there will be no justification without the sacrifice or the atonement on the cross. And that's what has brought us into a peaceful relationship with God. But then, then there is this peace of God that we should experience, which I, I mean, which I believe it's what Jesus came to announce on the earth so that we can begin to expose or to open our hearts to this peace of God that passes all human understanding or comprehension. So you see, Christmas is not just about fanfare. It reminds us of God's intention to bring peace to reign on the earth. Now, various scriptures remind us about the peace of God to us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I mean, you could see there's, in fact, in the Bible, the word peace actually appeared about 339 times. In the King James Version, it appeared about 429 times. Just to give you an idea, that peace was God's intention for humanity. In Colossians 5 verse 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I mean, I can go on and on and, and just keep quoting. Proverbs 12 verse 20, it says, Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. Isaiah 45 verse 7, it says, The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity, I am the Lord who does all these. Now, this scripture actually is bringing me to a whole new light. Where he says, causing well-being and creating calamity. Now, in this case, well-being is the word that, you know, that's translated in the Hebrew word, shalom. Now, shalom is still actually the word or the Hebrew word for peace. Now, when we talk about shalom, we're talking about the whole concept of God's peace. It actually means completeness, wholeness, well-being. It actually means sound mind. You know, that actually contrasts with what I was talking about with the, you know, the breakdown of 
mental failures in, in young people today. But God's intention is to bring us to a place of well-being. I remember Joseph in, the, in, you know, in Genesis, when he encountered his brothers back then in Egypt, he asked the question, you know, because they, they still couldn't recognize him at this point in time. But he says, look, he asked them about, their well, about the well-being. And he said, is your father well? Now, I looked at that, I looked at that word in, in, in the Hebrew, Genesis 43, verse 27. He says that he asked them about their well-being. The word well-being there is the Hebrew word shalom. So Joseph understood very clearly that, look, the well-being of people is tied to the peace of God in their hearts. And he says to them, is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they answered, your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. The point actually that was emphasized here was the well-being of this family, their mental state of mind. And I think this is something that we need to address today in our, day, in our day and age, that people are losing it. They probably have forgotten God's intention for humanity is to bring peace on the earth. After the death of Jesus on the cross, when he came back to his disciples and walked into the room that was, you know, locked, and just walked into the room, went through the wall, he said to them, peace. I give unto you, not as the world give, if I unto you. So you could see the whole story that is outlined here in the birth and in the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was all about peace of God. The first thing he mentioned to his disciples when he saw them, peace I give unto you. It's that peace that he came to bring on this earth. And that's why, if you look closely in the Bible, the one thing that the Antichrist would mimic or counterfeit was that he would present himself as the Prince of Peace. Because he understands very clearly that that is the true identity and the definition of the Savior, Jesus Christ. That he would be the Prince of Peace. And Isaiah actually identified him by saying, look, of his government and of his kingdom they shall be at no end because that peace will reign supreme here on the earth but right now i want to say that it is reigning in the hearts of people who have put their trust on him he will come one day and reign on this earth and bring peace to this earth physically right now i want to challenge you to look for that peace of god that passes human understanding. The peace of God that is beyond human definition. Something that just settles on the inside of you, that brings joy, that brings calmness, that brings wholeness, that brings that sound mind that we really are coveting right in the world today. And we are looking at the wrong places to give us that peace. But instead of, you know, the places we are looking at, to give us peace, they've given us anxiety, they've given us depression, they've given us hopelessness and all kinds of things that agitate us, therefore leading people you know, to a mental breakdown. But God 
wants you to walk in peace and to have his peace in your life. This is what Christmas is all about. It's amazing how we can bring out these aspects of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the time God announced this to humanity. And the hosts of heaven saw it, the angels saw it, and they rejoiced. There was celebration in heaven because in right here on earth, peace has come. Hope has come. And that peace and hope today is in Jesus Christ our Lord. If you haven't had that experience of him living in your life, you can make this time an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, come into my life and let your peace reign supreme in me so that I can live a life that is saturated with the peace of God, the well-being that I desire, spiritually, physically, mentally, and socially. That's the meaning of the word wholeness. God is not just only interested in your spiritual being, he's also interested in your mental health. He's interested in your emotional health, your physical well-being. That's what his peace has come to bring for us. I'm really, you know, blessed today just talking about this because when we talk about Christmas, we don't often come from this standpoint or, or perspective. We all carry the way with the celebration and the merriment, which fine, it's okay, but we have to be reminded that this was God's means or avenue of announcing peace that he has brought to the earth. And the birth of Jesus announces that reign. I'll stop here today. God bless you and hope to see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope you were blessed and are refreshed as you listened. If you're considering supporting Mountain Springs Church in any way by giving, prayers, or being a part of our launch team, please contact us at info at mountainspringschurch.ca or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at mountainspringschurchca. Thank you for listening today and God bless you.